Well, good morning, Rethink Life. Y'all doing good today? Staying dry and warm, hopefully. Well, let's do, hey, do me a favor and let's give those that are watching us right now live online a round of applause and thank them for worshiping with us, even though they're probably at home under the covers watching. But uh, no, seriously, we are grateful for everybody being a part of what God is doing, and especially those of you who physically have braved the nasty weather outside. I know it's uh, a nasty day from the standpoint of just the rain and the mess that that creates, but I'm so thankful that you're here today, came with a heart of expectancy, ready to receive something that God has in store for each of you. You believe that today? You ready to receive it? Well, I'm excited. I'm, a, I'm just uh, personally looking forward to what God has in store for this calendar year of 2019. And, you know, we kicked off this calendar year with something that we are very passionate about. And, uh, and it's really just bathing this, this calendar year in prayer. I just believe when you put God first, God takes care of the rest. And so we set aside seven days of prayer and fasting, and we ended that on Sunday night with an incredible time. In fact, it's, it was probably the most successful week of prayer in terms of overall participation we ever had. And Sunday night was epic. It was an awesome time. We had 17 people that prayed to receive Jesus Christ last week, and eight, excuse me, eight of them that made their faith public through water baptism on Sunday as well. And so it's just an incredible, incredible day and uh, just a real spirit of excitement and really uh, just expectation for what God has in store for us. So I'm curious, how many of you still believe that 2019 is going to be your best year ever? You believe that? You still believe in it? Well, today I want to give you a little shot in the arm because I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the messy middle because sometimes what happens is, is that we, we start out with good intentions. And so week one, we talked about the importance that if we're going to really allow 2019 to be our best year ever, then we have to really set aside those limiting beliefs and exchange those limiting beliefs with what we call liberating truths. And so it's really just embracing everything that God has for us. And another thing we have to do is we also have to complete our past. In other words, we have to say goodbye and shut the door once and for all to the old habits, the old hurts, the old hang-ups, or those things that sometimes the enemy can use to trip us back up. But we got to complete the past once and for all. And then last week we talked about now we get to kind of design our future. We talked about looking ahead. We talked about the metaphor we learned in Scripture about getting your ship out of the harbor. And so we got to set sail and believe everything that God has for us. And so with that in mind today, week four, it's a four-part framework that we're, all, that we're learning from. And I want to help you understand how to find your why. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, do you know your why? It's really important that you know your why. And the reason why our why is so important is because, once again, we can start out with good intentions. We can set all these lofty goals and have these New Year resolutions and have high expectations for whatever. But unfortunately, nearly 50% of all New Year resolutions, they crash and burn after six months, in fact, less than 10% actually fulfill those New Year resolutions by the end of the year. And so the reason for that is that so many people, unfortunately, have good intentions, but good intentions won't get us there. We got to go beyond that. And so one of the things we got to understand is that there's got to be something that's far more important. There's got to be a why behind the what. And so we're going to unpack that for a few moments today. And I don't think that there's really 
any greater story or passage of scripture for us to learn that more so than the book of Nehemiah. But before we dive into that, I want to share with you something that we did that was kind of cool. Uh, we have something known as our Leadership uh, Academy here at Rethink Life. And so we took a break um, this past fall, but what uh, we did is we graduated our first graduating class um, back in the spring. And uh, one of the things we did towards the end is we actually uh, did a team outing and we went to a place called Tree Trek. I don't know if you've ever been to Tree Trek, but it is, it's awesome. It truly is. It's, everybody ought to do it. And so we took our team out because I wanted to help, if anything, teach them the leadership lessons that you can't give up, you can't quit, you can't throw in the towel when things get hard, when you're stretched, when you're really taken out of your comfort zone. And that's what the tree trek does, especially when you get into the more advanced part of the course. In fact, I have a little clip to kind of give you a little bit of a taste of what our, what our students went through. We had over 23 of our students in the academy. And uh, check this out, just a quick clip. Oh yeah, come on, you got it now. Long ways down, Julie. <laughs> you got it. Keep going, keep going. So it was an incredible, it gives you a little bit of a, a sneak peek there. In fact, there's a still picture of my wife, Michelle, actually doing it, dangling up there on these, uh, on these, these wooden posts. And, you know, it, it, it's, what's crazy is that even though you're strapped and even though technically you can't fall, it still gives you the heebie-jeebies because you're way up there and it really stretches you. It pushes you and it really helps you to kind of push through the resistance, push through the fear. And the, one, of the, one of the, I think that the greatest challenges sometimes that we have when it comes to accomplishing certain goals that we really want to achieve, and it could be a relational goal. It could be just to improve and to grow and to develop and to even deepen your marriage relationship or other family relationships or maybe even trying to get out of debt. And you've been working year after year after year. And from your perspective, it's like, man, it's, you know, I, it's like, I don't know that we'll ever get out of debt. Or, or maybe you're, it's a situation where you've been kind of stuck in a place or a season in your life and you've been trying to maybe get unstuck and pursue things that you're really passionate about. Maybe it's starting a business or maybe a a new line of work or whatever it might be, but maybe you've set these certain goals, something with your health, and you want to get in better shape so you can have more energy and more stamina to do the things you really want to do. So whatever it might be, all of those great goals and aspirations can serve as a motivation for a while. But there will come a point where there's got to be something greater and deeper that actually propels you and pushes you to keep going when you're going to face difficulties in your life. And in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and this is an amazing story because Nehemiah had a goal, he had a vision, and it was to rebuild the, the walls there in Jerusalem that had been destroyed. And, and so here they were, um, you know, had been exiled, taken from their homeland. They were living in other places and they were kind of scattered and there was a small remnant that began to migrate back to the city of Jerusalem. And a guy by the name of Nehemiah was serving uh, for another king at this time. He was under his rule. And we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter two, beginning at verse one. And it says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, 
I took the wine and gave it to the king. And I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. And I'll pause here. Now, a cupbearer was basically someone who helped taste the wine before the king drank it, just in case somebody had slipped a little poison in the wine. That was a pretty risky job to have to be the cupbearer. And so here's the cupbearer um, who, who, you know, who's in a very unique position. At the same time, the king, because of the king's power, if he didn't like something, then he could basically get rid of whatever or perhaps whomever he wanted to get rid of. And so anybody who was sad or anybody who brought maybe an atmosphere of de- you know, that was depressing or negative or whatever it might be, if the king didn't like it, he, had, he could execute him on the spot. Well, Nehemiah had a very close relationship with the king. The king had trusted Nehemiah, but the, the king had noticed something that was not normal for Nehemiah. And so we pick back the story back up, and, and it says, But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, well, what is it do you want? And that's the question of the day. What is it that you want for your life in 2019? What is it that you want in 2019 that's going to be different from 2018? What is it that you want for your marriage? What is it that you want in your financial situation, your health physically? What is it that you want as it relates to goals, dreams, aspirations that you truly have a desire to achieve in your heart? What is it do you want? It's the question the king was asking Nehemiah. What is it do you want? Well, he responded, Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, and here's his response. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That was the what. The what for Nehemiah was to go back to his homeland and to help rebuild the walls that had been destroyed, the gates that had been burned. He wanted to go back, and he wanted to help rebuild the walls. Why? Because he didn't want his people, his brothers and sisters, his fellow Jews, to be vulnerable. He didn't want them to be subject to further attack. He wanted them to have a place that was safe and secure. He wanted the city to be, once again, fortified. He wanted the place that was near and dear to the heart of God to be restored and to be rebuilt. That was his what that's what he wanted to do but he was fueled by something greater and this is the thing I want you to jot down if you're taking notes today and that is you got to connect with your why because it's one thing to have a desire to do something but there's got to be a why that fuels as motivation for you to achieve whatever it is that you want to accomplish in your life Nehemiah chapter 1 says it this way. In verse 1 through 4, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I, and, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. 
They said to me, notice carefully, those who survive the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. Why is it critical to accomplishing your what? Nehemiah had a what? It was to rebuild the wall. But there was a why. And it was for his fellow brothers and sisters. It was for the cause. It was for the greater purpose and mission and vision. Because he wanted to fortify the city once again. He wanted to see complete healing and restoration. He wanted to see Jerusalem once again be the thriving city of God that it once was. And so there was a why that propelled him. And I think the same is true for you and for me. There's got to be a why behind the what. Every what needs a why. So the question is, why do you want to grow in your marriage relationship? Why do you want to get healthy and in shape? Why do you want to perhaps start the, that business that you've always longed to perhaps get off the ground? Why do you want to do what you have in your heart to do. Chances are because you see the benefit. You see the freedom. You see the closeness and intimacy of a relationship. The peace of mind, the sense of security. Whatever those benefits are, yo, there is a why, there is a payoff. But you can't achieve the what unless there is a burning desire, a passion, there is a greater why that fuels the purpose for you to do what you long to do. Does that make sense? It's so important that our what has a why. And here's the reason why the why is so important. And you've heard me say this, and I'll say it again. Because when you lose your why, you lose your what? Your way. You see, when we lose our why, here's what happens. We get discouraged. When we lose our why, we get overwhelmed. When we lose our why, we easily get distracted. When we lose our why, we no longer have the strength and the courage to keep on keeping on. Why? Because we're focused on how big our problems are and we forgot how big our God is. So when you lose your why, you will suddenly begin to drift and lose your way. I like what Brian Houston says, the founder and pastor of Hillsong. He says, when you lose your view of the future, you tend to go back to your past. And I see it happen all the time with people. That's the reason why a lot of people who struggle with addictions have a hard time overcoming and walking victoriously over those addictions because when they suddenly lose view of the future, in other words, when they start looking ahead and they think, oh my goodness, I have so far to go, rather than remembering of how far they've come, when they lose view of the future, when they lose their why, they suddenly begin to drift and lose their way and they go back to the way it used to be. I see it all the time in marriage relationships. I see it all the time with people. 
When it comes with change, people don't like change. And the reason why they don't like change because they would much rather stay in a place of comfort and a false sense of security because that's what is familiar. That's what they know. But because the future, which is ahead of them, is gonna take them out of their comfort zone, but at the same time propel them to the place of not perhaps where they want to be, but where they need to be, what happens is they say, well, that's too much work. That's too hard. That's too much change. That's too much effort. Therefore, I'm going to go back over here where it's safe and comfortable and it's easy. We can't allow ourselves to live that way because we'll never ever achieve the what if we're not driven by the why that serves as our greater purpose. Am I making sense? You see, this is so vitally important because there are going to be times in your life when you're going to want to throw in the towel and quit. I can't tell you how many times in the near 18 years of um, our journey of starting this church and going through all that we've gone through, starting in an area called Lake Nona nearly 18 years ago, basically in a cow, cow pasture and leaving there after nine months and going across the city and five different locations and starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping and all the setbacks and challenges from facilities to locations to finances to just the people, you know, the comings and the goings and the challenges and man, just the, the unexpected twists and turns and setbacks and all the difficulties and all the things. Man, we've been, we've been just through so much and I cannot begin to tell you how Many times I've wanted to say, who needs this? But you know, unfortunately for a lot of couples in their marriage relationship, they reach that point and they say, who needs this? I didn't sign up for this. You weren't that way when I married you. Or this job or this situation or that circumstance or this health crisis or these circumstances. What happens is we reach these places in our lives and we say, who needs this? And we throw in the towel and we quit. And the reason why we quit is because we're no longer motivated by a why. The reason why I haven't quit like 1,500 other pastors quit every single month that are in the ministry who pastor churches, 1,500 a month on average walk away from their churches and they quit. You know why? Because they lost their why. When Michelle and I moved here nearly 18 years ago, you know why we came here? Because we believed in a city. We saw an up-and-coming city known as Orlando, Florida, and today with over 2 million people, and 95% of those 2 million people in our population are considered to be unchurched. We are fueled with a why, and I'm here to tell you, we're as motivated today after 18 years as we've ever been to push back the gates of hell and to reach more people with the hope that is found in Jesus Christ than we ever have. The reason why is because we've never lost sight of our why. Has it been hard? You better believe it. Had there been times we wanted to quit? You better believe it. Had there been situations and opportunities and temptations that would have allowed us to walk away easy? You better believe it. But we have stayed true to the call of God and for the purpose of God. Why? Because we've been fueled by a why. And the why will always take you where you, listen, where you need to go, not necessarily where you want to go. And so today, we got to understand, yeah, there is a why behind the why. we got to connect with our why. The second thing we got to do is we got to master our motivation. 
You've got to master your motivation. In fact, in Nehemiah 4, verses 6 and 10, says it this way. So Nehemiah, so we built the wall, notice carefully, till it reached half its height. For the people worked with all of their heart. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is given out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot even rebuild the wall. So here's what began to happen. Just like many of us, we set those New Year resolutions all of a sudden, it's raining outside. It's cold. I don't want to go exercise. I'm going to stay inside and drink my hot chocolate and stay under the covers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's easy to do that. But we've got to push through. We've got to persevere. And what happened was is that here they were. They were working pen through their fingers to the bone. They were, they were giving it all they had. They were working with all their heart. And all of a sudden, what happened was is the wall had reached half its height. So they were making progress, but yet they were given out. They were physically exhausted. And the number one reason for discouragement, you ready for this, is fatigue. So when you get tired mentally, physically, and emotionally, when you get fatigued, yes, the very first thing you want to do is throw in the towel and walk away and quit because in your mind, you've already resigned to the fact it's not going to happen. It's not worth it. And not only were they fatigued, in fact, let me share, I love the quote that says, tired eyes rarely see a bright future. So when you're tired, trust me, the future gets really, really confusing and intimidating. In fact, someone once said that when you're tired, mountains seem bigger and valleys seem deeper. So they were fatigued, but they were also frustrated. Because the Bible says they, there was rubble everywhere. So it was like taking two steps forward and one step back in terms of what they were trying to accomplish. So here, even though they, the wall had been rebuilt to at least half its height, they still were overwhelmed by the debris and all the rubble. And it was just overwhelming to them. And so not only were they fatigued and frustrated, now they're having a sense of failure. Why are they feeling failure? Because the wall had only reached half its height, and they had been working day and night. They were physically exhausted. And so they began to focus on how far they had to go rather than celebrating how far they had come. And what happens is, is that we get overwhelmed, and when we get overwhelmed, we start feeling like, I don't have what it takes, and we start feeling a sense of failure. This isn't going to work. And then, of course, they were dealing with fear because they were being threatened and there was attacks from all sides. And so here, Nehemiah, once again, he had to remind them of the why behind the what. And he had to master their motivation so they once again, once again, could get reorganized and refocused and repurposed. So once again, the why would drive them to the greater cause and purpose that God was calling them to fulfill and so here's what we got to understand, that in our lives, there's going to be times when we reach what is referred to as the messy middle. That's when we get to the halfway part. That's when we feel like, you know, I don't know that I can keep pushing through and I can do this. It's like when I go run on a treadmill, I call it the 20-minute wall, because after I'm going for 20 minutes, I start feeling it at that 20-minute mark. And trust me, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to stop, get off, or push slow and slow it down. But you got to keep pushing through. It's called the Nehemiah principle. Why? Because 
Nehemiah and the people accomplished rebuilding the wall in 52 days. It took them 52 days to rebuild the wall. But at day 26 is when they were ready to quit and throw in the towel. Why? Because once again, they were focusing on how far they had to go rather than how far, how far they had actually come. And so we have to master our motivation. Remember the, the tree trek experience I was telling you a few moments ago? There was a, there was a place in this obstacle course where I got stuck. And it was at the highest point of the, um, of the whole experience. And I was getting close to the end. And what happened was, is I had pushed off. And as I pushed off, my, my cord got tangled up. And so it left me being suspended in the middle. And I was freaking out because I'm afraid of heights. And I was already physically exhausted because it was towards the end of the obstacle course. And my knees were shaking. And they were shaking not just because I was tired, but I was shaking because I was scared to death. And I'm stuck and I can't do anything. And I'm yelling for somebody to help. And they had to send the guys to come and come up and climb all the way up to the top and get me out of the situation that I was in because I was in a mess. I was terrified. But you know what I did? I started over once they got me repositioned. I started over and then I eventually crossed to the other side. You know what motivated me? I had everybody else wanting to know if the leader was going to throw in the towel and quit. So I had to master my motivation and say, oh no, oh no, we're not finished yet. I'm crossing to the other side. I'm going to finish this baby. Why? Because the reward was on the other side. The greater good of restoring that marriage, the greater good of growing more intimate and deeper in your relationships, the greater good of getting out of debt, the greater good of being healthy and stronger and more fit and more energized, the greater good is what propels us to keep moving forward because we're not focusing on how far, listen, on how far we've got to go. No, we're celebrating on how far we have come. I was having lunch this past Tuesday with a very, very dear friend of mine and and I've um, been working with him for several months, and he's been overcoming an addiction and has just wreaked havoc in his life and his family. And as we were having lunch, I said, how are things going? He said, I'm 133 days sober. And I said, what is it? Yeah. I said, what is it? What, what, what's getting you through it? What's getting you through it? He said, every day I check another box on my calendar. He said, I got 133 X's consecutively of living victoriously. I'm overcoming. And he said, I'm focusing on how far I've come, not on how, how far I've got to go. And that's what we have to do. How far we've come in our marriage. How far we've come getting out of debt. How far we've come getting in shape. How far we've come in strengthening in our relationships. How far we've come in starting that new business. How far we've come in 18 years of starting a church. How far we've come in seeing people's lives change for the glory of God. How far we've come. And that's the reason why we still believe the best is yet to come. Because there's a greater purpose. There's a greater purpose. I love what Nehemiah 4.14 says. After I looked things over, Nehemiah said, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. What was he saying? Don't, listen, don't bell before the breakthrough. 
Don't quit during the dip. When it gets messy in the middle, keep moving. Listen, there's a greater purpose. So you gotta master your motivation and you gotta connect with your why. Listen, the why has gotta move from the head to the heart to motivate you and inspire you to keep on keeping on, to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And I love what Nehemiah says. He says, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So don't allow the negative thoughts don't allow the limiting beliefs, don't allow the lies of the evil one or trash talk from the naysayers to defeat you and discourage you and rob you from your joy. Because the enemy knows if he can get you discouraged and get you defeated and get you down and all blue about your situation and your circumstances and how hard things are and how far you got to go, he knows if, you can, if he can rob you from your joy, he knows he's zapped your strength. Don't you dare allow the enemy to rob you from your joy. Joy is found in the Lord and when you find joy in the Lord, that renews your strength to keep on keeping on. Listen, God has a plan. And he wants you to reach your destiny. He wants you to fulfill your dreams. He wants you to experience that good and pleasing and perfect will that he has for your life. So we've got to connect with our why. We've got to master our motivation. And lastly, we've got to find our team. Got to find our tribe. Got to find our, our people. Got to find our team, the group that we can do life with. Why? Because it's better together. We can't do it alone. If you were here last week, you heard me say that, you know, the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Batman had Robin. Ken had Barbie. We need each other. We need each other. We need somebody who's in the fight with us. Somebody who's walking through the fire with us. Someone who's speaking life and hope and victory and vision into our lives and reminding you of how far you've come. If you got people in your life that keep reminding you of how far you got to go, tell them to get out of your life or tell them to get a life. You need people who's just gonna be there to give you hope and encouragement and help you listen with the truth that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, who in the world can be against you? We are overcomers because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Listen, God is for us. He's with us. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna abandon us. He's not gonna forsake us. He is for us. And we need to surround ourselves with people who are for us. Nehemiah 4, verses 20, 21 through 23, it says, So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn to the stars came out. And at that time I also said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. And neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor, my, nor the guards with me took off our clothes, each had a weapon, and even, even when we went for water, listen, they stood guard. They held, listen, they held tightly to one another. They guarded one another's backs. Why? Because they knew that, listen, it is stronger, it's better, it's healthier to do life together. It takes teamwork to make what? The dream work. 
You need people in your life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, two are better off than one. Why? For they can help each other succeed. It's hard to succeed alone. We need people. I um, have a dear, very, very dear friend who's in this service. And um, she went through the darkest time in her life fighting cancer like so many fight that battle and remember going up to the hospital and reminding her that somehow some way that there was a purpose even in the midst of all that pain and that somehow some way that there was going to be a ministry through the mess that she was going through and that somehow God was going to take that pain and ultimately use it as a platform and today she's in this service and she's an incredible inspiration because she didn't quit during the dip she didn't bail before the breakthrough she kept fighting the good fight of faith and kept believing kept persevering kept pushing kept forging ahead kept trusting kept believing but people were there with her along the way well, recently we were introduced to a young couple in our church and a young lady who has got a debilitating disease and she's eventually, unless God does a miracle physically in her life, she's eventually going to lose her, eyes, her eyesight and lose her hearing and she has some aggressive tumors taking place and she's going through some real difficulties and some dark days right now. We just recently got to know this young couple and, and I told her about our friend who had walked through the journey that she's getting ready to walk into. And so we had the opportunity to introduce them. The other night, she starts her first round of chemo this week. And um, I was so encouraged and thrilled that my friend who had already gone through this process was there to speak life and to speak hope into her life, to renew her faith, and to help her to understand, hey, I've been through what you're getting to go, go through. I know, I understand, I feel what you are feeling, all the fear and the, just all the uncertainty and the what ifs and all of those things. She, better than anybody, could speak into that. And you know, there are people that we need in our lives that can speak life into us, speak hope into us. Somebody who says, you know what? Hey, we went through a marriage difficulty, but God helped us overcome that. Hey, I remember when I wanted to quit and throw in the towel and things got really hard and financially, we didn't think we were ever gonna get out of debt, but, but, but God did something that was almost unbelievable. It was a miracle. We are able to overcome that situation and, the way God allowed that situation to work in our lives, he can do the same for you. And when we come together as a group of people, let me tell you something, life change happens. Growth begins to take place. And we're encouraged, why? Because it's the way God planned it. It's better together. And so that's the reason why today we're starting 
our life group season so that people like yourself can find a group and can find a team and can connect with people so that once again, there is a why behind the what we're trying to accomplish. And we can lean on one another, help master that motivation. We hit the messy middle and we got people there that's gonna speak life and speak encouragement and remind us of how far we've come and remind us that 2019 will be our best year ever because we're gonna do it together for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? That's God's plan. That's why the why is so important. Let's bow our heads together.